Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, November 14th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, relatives of a man ran over by an off-duty Jackson police officer in March find his body exhumed hours before the scheduled time. Then a task force is preparing recommendations for pediatric illnesses, how they can be identified and treated earlier. Plus, a new treatment for sickle cell could help Mississippians live longer, healthier lives. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The body of a Mississippi man who died after being hit by an off-duty police officer was exhumed Monday. This comes months after officials failed to notify the man's family of his death. Now they're calling on the U.S. Department of Justice to investigate the situation. Justice for Dexter Wade. Justice for Dexter Wade. Justice for Dexter Wade. The body of 37-year-old Dexter Wade of Jackson was scheduled to be exhumed yesterday at 11.30 a.m. When his mother and civil rights attorney Ben Crump arrived at the Pauper Cemetery, the body had already been taken out of the unmarked grave. Crump says the exhumation was supposed to help clear up many questions the family had, but has only created new ones. Uh, Because there's been a big question that we still don't have complete clarity of, and that is when they buried Dexter Wade, did they at least have the decency to put him in a box, or did they just put him in a bag and drop his body into the ground. And Attorney Sweet and I will absolutely make the case for transparency that continues to be denied to Miss Bettison. It's just a low-down, dirty shame what happened here today. Low-down, dirty shame. And as Miss Bettison said when she first called us attorney sweet it was a cover-up and this is further evidence of the cover-up and that exacerbates the reason why we have to have the department of justice conduct the investigation from beginning to end because what happened to dexter wade in march and what happened to dexter wade here today 
reeks to the high heavens. Crump says it can be a traumatic experience to exhume a body, and the family chose to have it done so an autopsy could be performed. However, he says the manner in which it was done has just created more harm than good. When you bury a body and you commit it to the ground, that is a religious covenant. You're returning your loved one to be with God. And so the fact that we had to exhume his body to get truth, to have an autopsy done, that is something that was a very emotional, as you might would imagine, for his mother and his family. And so they leaned on their faith Yet again, as they had done so, Attorney Sweet, the whole time to get to the truth of what happened. You all know the story. They didn't even know that Dexter was dead and was buried in the ground. His mother was asking them to put a civil alert out. And they kept deceiving her as if they were going to put a civil alert out to try to find where Dexter Wade was, where this missing person was, when in reality, he was dead and he was buried in this field out here at the penal farm. And so she had to fight for transparency just to get to this point. And even though it's emotional, she ain't no ways tired. We're going to keep fighting until we find out what happened to Dexter Wade. Wade's mother, Betterstein Wade Robinson, attended what was supposed to be the exhumation, exhumation ceremony. She says it's unacceptable that her son's body has been treated this way. I am so disappointed. I was disappointed from the day this started. I came to y'all for help. I came to y'all for that help that I needed. Y'all cover it up. Y'all did that, kept telling me, no, 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 we don't know where he at. Then come to find out, in y'all department, somebody did this. Now I ask, can I zoom my child and try to get some peace and try to get a state of mind? Now y'all take that from me. I couldn't even see him come out the ground. Y'all didn't give me the time to see him before he took his last breath. I didn't get to see him come from the ground. Okay, cover up. I mean, y'all keep telling me y'all didn't do it unintentionally. This is not an intention to me. But how? If this is y'all child, what would y'all think? Yeah. I mean, how would y'all feel? Yeah. Everybody have children. So now if I come bury one of your children and I come to you all, oh, y'all give me a slap on the wrist. Oh, it's just, it's just a misunderstanding. It's just bad communication. Is that fine with the system? Is this how the system works? Is this what I'm living in? And I'm living in Mississippi. And this is what I got to deal with? That I don't even matter. I pay taxes. I, I should matter somewhere. Where the cover up gonna stop? 
Where's Where is stuff? it gonna stop? Now y'all done buried my baby. Y'all done took him out the ground. Y'all put him in the ground without my permission. So I don't have no permission. A funeral for Dexter Waite will be held November 20th. Coming up, a legislative task force is discussing plans for a better statewide pediatric health care system. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. Please join me and my colleagues for the Mississippi Arts Hour, where we have in-depth conversations with different creative Mississippians. That's the Mississippi Arts Hour, Sundays at 5 on Think Radio or download it as a podcast. This is Ari Shapiro with NPR. People collect all sorts of things. Stamps, antique lamps, sports memorabilia. If you happen to collect cars and you're looking to make room for some new additions, look no further than this station. Pickup is free and you're helping make your favorite NPR programs possible. Learn more about it on this station's website and thank you in advance for thinking about helping public radio. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. There's useful information for you on MPB Think Radio's local programming this morning. Personal finance is the focus on Money Talks at 9. At 10, there are discussions of your legal rights on In Legal Terms. Relatively Speaking has advice on maintaining good relationships with friends and family at 11. MPB Think Radio, whatever your taste, news, music, storytelling, or how-to shows. Whatever your city, Gulfport, Fernando, Meridian, Greenville, however you want. Radio, smart speaker, smartphone app. MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A legislative task force is preparing recommendations for state lawmakers about how the state can provide a better pediatric health care system. The Early Intervention Task Force was created this year. It's led by Dr. Susan Buttress, a pediatric expert at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She says identifying an illness or disease early in a child's life can be easier to treat and increase the odds of a positive outcome. Dr. Butcher says they're close to finalizing the recommendations for the Mississippi legislature. They met with committee members last week to discuss what changes should be made ahead of submitting the list. MSDH needs to conduct further research and MSDH needs to create a plan to implement a different infrastructure and model for delivering early intervention services. Recommended actions for legislative recommendations is the legislature should consider adopting legislation to a require the Mississippi Department of Health to conduct research and develop a plan, um, implementing a new service delivery model, including billing and reimbursement system with a plan being due to the legislature on or before December 1st, 2024. So that would be a year from the time we submit our report. And again, this is to the legislature, extend the early intervention task force to serve in an advisory capacity to assist MSDH in implementing a new model, including adding 
representatives from the Mississippi Division of Medicaid and the Mississippi Department of Education, and also adding the executive director of the Center for the Mississippi Health Policy as consultant to the task force. One of the largest financial hurdles pediatricians face throughout Mississippi is when bills to patients go unpaid for long periods of time. The task force is proposing a way for the Mississippi Department of Health to pay pediatricians directly after a visit with money that will be reimbursed once the patient or their insurance has paid. Dr. Buttress says this could help ensure children get the care they need up front rather than having parents delay care because of bills. The legislature should consider adopting legislation to A, require MSDH to conduct research and develop a plan for implementing a new billing and reimbursement system such as the pay and chase model with a plan being due to the legislature on or before December 1, 2024. B, require the task force and peer staff to assist MSDH with the research and development of the billing and reimbursement plan, and C, ensure services provided in the natural environment are reimbursable. And then the MSDH recommendation. If MSDH selects to move forward with the pay and chase model, it should work with the Mississippi Division of Medicaid to determine the total amount of funding needed to establish a bank for reimbursing service providers on the front end. MSDH should include other possible billing and reimbursement systems in case the pay and chase model is not sustainable in Mississippi. Task force members are still working on final language for their recommendations. They have to come up with a budget proposal for their plan. Coming up, a new treatment for sickle cell could help Mississippians live longer and healthier lives. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. There's useful information for you on MPB Think Radio's local programming this morning. Personal finance is the focus on Money Talks at 9. At 10, there are discussions of your legal rights on In Legal Terms. Relatively Speaking has advice on maintaining good relationships with friends and family at 11. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, host of the original Southern Remedy, the show where I answer your medical questions. Subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on any podcasting app. Shapiro with NPR. People collect all sorts of things. Stamps, antique lamps, sports memorabilia. If you happen to collect cars and you're looking to make room for some new additions, look no further than this station. Pickup is free and you're helping make your favorite NPR programs possible. Learn more about it on this station's website and thank you in advance for thinking about helping public radio. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. 
Join the Gestalt Gardener and Next Stop Mississippi on the road live from the 47th Annual Chimneyville Arts Festival, December 1st from 9 until 11 a.m. Tune in or join us in person at the Bill Waller Mississippi Craft Center in Ridgeland for all the action at the merriest shopping event of the holiday season. This festival celebrates artisans and provides patrons a place to procure new pieces for their collection. Tune in December 1st starting at 9 a.m. only on MPB Think Radio. I'm Robin Young. Are you finding yourself supporting one side in the war between Israel and Hamas, demonizing the other side, and not liking yourself for it? How to find empathy in a time of hate. Also, Thanksgiving is a little over a week away. Here in our resident chef, Kathy Gunst, has tips and how does she do it? New side dishes next time, here and now. Today at noon on MBB Think Radio. There's useful information for you on MPB Think Radio's local programming this morning. Personal finance is the focus on Money Talks at 9. At 10, there are discussions of your legal rights on In Legal Terms. Relatively Speaking has advice on maintaining good relationships with friends and family at 11. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A new gene therapy treatment for sickle cell disease is on its way towards FDA approval for wide patient use in the U.S. The disease, which occurs in one in every 365 black babies born in the U.S., causes excruciating pain and organ damage. The new Exocel treatment allows the production of fetal hemoglobin, which is a protein in red blood cells that carries oxygen, and that functionally cures the disease. Dr. Melissa McNall is a physician at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She specializes in children's cancer and blood disorders. She tells our Will Stribling this could help save lives if approved. You know, we think of sickle cell as a blood disorder because it is a problem in the red blood cells, but it affects the entire body. So red blood cells are supposed to be round, um, kind of donut-shaped, and travel through the blood vessels delivering oxygen. And because they're supposed to be round, they're smooth and travel easily. But certain things like not getting enough oxygen, um, illness, stress, uh, cold weather can make the cells go into sickle shape. And when they do that, they get stuck in different parts of the body. We think of this as causing pain episodes, which is a, a hallmark of the disease. Patients have, um, they can have rare pain or they can have daily pain. There's a wide variety in the pain. But the sickle cells are also, by being that shape, they're not delivering oxygen to the body. So there's damage being done you know, to the heart, to the brain, to the lungs, to the kidneys, to the liver. And that's the part of the disease that I think people are less, um, less likely to know about. Um, as I said, we think of it as a blood disorder, but it affects the entire body. So there's a shortened lifespan, um, and that's kind of a threat at any time. So patients can live very healthfully through childhood, then be very, very ill as young adults. Um, you know, they can, they can die at any age. It's a, it's a pretty severe disease that takes a lot of taking care of to stay healthy. 
I know you were uh, sometime last year, then you were training people in Greenville how to, mm-hmm. you know, deliver care to people with sickle cell. Could you talk just a bit about that experience, what that was like? Yeah, and I still do that. Um, it's a program I'm really excited about. Children, um, and this is not just a Mississippi thing, children throughout the United States tend to have pretty good access to care. Um, they tend to be covered by Medicaid no matter what. Um, and, you know, we have very good children's hospitals with, with pediatric sickle cell programs. But once they reach anywhere from 18 to 21, the pediatric programs um, graduate them into the adult world. And there just are very, very few providers for adults with sickle cell disease. The adult hematology community has not taken this on um, the way that they need to. For example, in Mississippi, we have um, we do have a program at the university for adults with sickle cell, but only about 600 patients um, are followed in that program for various reasons. And so that leaves you know about 2,000 adults in Mississippi with sickle cell who don't get routine care. Um, and this is not, as I said, this is not unique to Mississippi. This is a national problem. Um, American Society of Hematology is working really hard to try and figure out how do we teach more um, providers for adult patients to take care of sickle cell. So I was lucky a few years ago um, in working with one of the family medicine docs, we devised this idea of me not just going to Greenville to see patients, but going to Greenville to teach the family medicine residents how to take care of sickle cell. So they won't become hematologists. They won't become sickle cell experts, but they'll have a a level of comfort um, in taking care of patients with sickle cell that after three years of seeing sickle cell patients with me, and, and I do a lecture every month, so they get a whole lot of hours of talking about sickle cell. Hopefully, by the time they, they graduate from their program, at least some of them will take on um, providing care for patients with sickle cell disease. A panel of experts said that the, the XSL treatment is safe enough for clinical use. Can you just you know explain to me as best as you can how this this treatment works and you know efficacy and just the difference in potential in this gene editing therapy versus you know the the bone marrow transplants that have been common up to this point? Yeah, and I've I've been a big proponent of bone marrow transplants um, because it is such a bad disease, so I want my patients cured. But bone marrow transplants is quite well. First of all, you have to have a donor. Um, and until recently, that donor needed to be a full sibling who was a perfect match and did not have sickle cell, which left that, um, that option doesn't fit very many people. Then we moved on to we, we have what are called haplotransplants, which are transplant, haplo meaning half. So you can do a bone marrow transplant from a parent. And that's been phenomenal. So this is, in essence, an autotransplant. You're using your own cells to functional cure. Well, all of us, when we're born, we have fetal hemoglobin. Everyone with sickle cell holds on to a little bit of fetal hemoglobin. And the more, the better. So the gene therapy that's just gone through the trials with with Vertex and through the CRISPR technique, it's making a little edit. So, So the patient has some of their stem cells removed. You take those stem cells out of the body. They're sent off to the lab. And then this process in the lab snips the DNA to allow fetal hemoglobin to be made more. Um, Unfortunately, right now, the patient has to come back into the hospital and get chemotherapy to um, 
to get rid of their healthy bone marrow, well, the bone marrow that's in their body. So then when they're given their own stem cells back, it has a place to, um, to take hold, take root, and then make healthy cells. Um, and the cells that it makes will then have significant amounts of fetal hemoglobin. Um, so fetal hemoglobin isn't quite, is not exactly the same as, as regular hemoglobin, but it works wonderfully. And that's why they're calling it a functional cure. Um, and so the patients who've had this done, they're getting upwards of about 40% fetal hemoglobin, which is plenty to keep them from having sickle cell complications. It's enough that their hemoglobin levels are normal. So they have no anemia. They're not um, breaking down their cells fast. Their cells aren't sickling. They're not having pain. We don't have the long enough data, but we extrapolate that they're not having further organ damage. So they're healthy and they feel great. And they look great, and their numbers look great, and it's really exciting. The hard part now is they still have to go through chemotherapy. So it's still a really big deal to go through this, but it's exciting because it's available. It, it should be available to anyone. You don't have to have any kind of matched donor. You know, this, this new treatment is expected to cost millions of dollars per patient, but I know that the like lifelong care of someone with with the disease costs, you know, around the, the, the same amount, maybe a little less. So what is yeah. like the calculation going to be for insurers? On, do you expect insurers I mean, to, to cover this or is this going to be something uh, that only if you're super know. duper rich can get? We, well, it's not going to be something that the super rich can get. It's, it's going to be the kind of money that in our current medical system, it's not like you're going to say, oh, you're wealthy. You come on in and you can pay for it. it it's not and I have had, I've, I've sent a couple of my patients, I've had two of my own patients go through the trials, um, so I've been pretty involved in the process. Right now, the price tag, they say, is somewhere in that 2 to $3 million range. Um, the company's working with insurance companies. They're working with Medicaid. Um, bone marrow transplants used to be somewhere, somewhere in the four hundred dollars to $500,000 range. And we went through the same thing with that. We said, oh, that's so much money. Insurance are going to balk. And at first, insurance did balk, and now insurance doesn't bat an eye. They said, you know, no, we understand lifelong costs, and they cover it. Um, I think this is going to be along those lines. You know, why is the price tag so high? I don't know how much the price tag has to do with how much it actually costs per patient versus paying back for the technology, you know, the development of this technology. So I think initially it's going to be difficult, but over time it's probably going to become less expensive and more and more the norm. Dr. Melissa McNall is a physician at the University of Mississippi Medical Center who specializes in children's cancer and blood disorders. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.